This is the Chicago Sports Power Hour, presented by ShyCitySports.com, the number one source for all Chicago sports found in one place. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Chicago Sports Power Hour, presented by ShyCitySports.com. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Z-I-C-K underscore Pearson, and uh, I'm going to pass it off to my other co-host. I'm Nick Fish, and you can find me on Twitter at NWFISCH. My name is Joey Minutillo, and you can find me on Twitter at name in all caps. So uh, before we start today's NFL draft, or rather Chicago Bears draft preview, I'm just going to say this, guys. I have a sore throat, so if my voice sounds scratchy, I'm taking one for the team tonight. I'm playing hurt. This is like um, Jordan's flu game, we'll say. How about that? Is that fine? Or is it Jay Cutler in, a, in the NFC Championship game? No, I'm coming back. I'm, this is mine, so I'm coming back. Um, all right, we're going to start off the show with our normal segment, um, Shoot, Shoot Your Shot. Shoot it! And each one, well, normally each one of us takes a shot at something, whether it's good or bad. But some, since uh, this news item was pretty big over the past week and this is a Bears-focused show, we're going to squeeze this into one Shoot Your Shot, and all three of us are going to just have our uh, take on it. Um, the topic will be, fellas, um, Jake Arrieta throwing a no-hitter last Thursday in Cincinnati Reds, just dominating. And then the next day, Ozzie Guillen Jr., former Chicago White Sox manager's son, posted this dumb meme in a White Sox Facebook page, and it kind of went viral. And then over the next couple of days, there's been some grumblings about Arietta and steroids. And then Tuesday, Arietta addressed those steroids and uh, pretty much called everyone idiots. And then um, today, on Wednesday, Stephen A. Smith had his dumb comments, and Arietta pretty much blasted him. What were your guys' thoughts on that? I just don't get what people gain from tearing somebody down that's doing well. Like, Is it, a, is it just a self-righteous crusade to say, oh, look, this guy's on performance-enhancing drugs when there's literally no... No hard proof there is. According to Arietta, he's passed 10 tests in the past years. So, again, it's just another one of those conspiracy theories that falls out of the sky, and idiots seem to clamor towards it and believe it, even though there's no factual basis in reality for it. I think it's an absolutely deplorable statement, and I preface that with, also understanding that being a baseball fan for, you know, the almost 30 years of my life that with this past 20 years of the steroid era, most guys don't get a free pass when they, they have, you know, tremendous achievements and their accolades uh, surpass anything we've ever seen before. But Stephen A. Smith's fact, well, what he wants to consider as factual is not only baseless, not only totally not supported by facts, but it's an absolutely cowardice statement because he tries to say, and I quote, um, I'm not going to accuse you of performance enhancing supplements, drugs, whatever you want to call it. But so basically he totally invalidates his point by saying, but, and takes the coward's route of being able to say, this guy might be using steroids, but I never really called him out on it. Cause I said, but, so if you want to be a man, Stephen A. Smith, why don't you actually come out and accuse the guy of taking steroids and, hey, next time he takes a, uh, a test for performance enhancing drugs, why don't you be the one to hold his cup while he pisses in it to see if he's cheating? 
I think it's absolutely ludicrous that any guy that gets any kind of accolade or improves or sets a record, it doesn't matter what sport it is anymore, everyone just immediately thinks he's cheating. And I think it's absolutely absurd. Well, my big thing is like everyone that's coming out and accusing Arietta of the steroid use. I'm not saying like he doesn't, you know, deserve a free pass. Whatever is being discussed, I don't care because of the recent steroids, but the recent issues of steroids. But I just like to see one of these guys go through Arietta's workout routine. I mean, that guy trains as hard as anyone in the league, and I guarantee you, no one, no normal person would be able to keep up with him, like training with him. Um. All right, that's all that needs to be said on that topic. Let's move on before we get into the Bears. Um, Blackhawks, guys, they gave it a good run, came back from 3-1 to tie the series, came back from three goals down, or 3-1 to one in game, what, six, to force the game seven, came up legit, what, centimeter short of tying that game at the end? Yeah, I mean, again, I think I hinted at this the last time we recorded, but it just seemed like the Blackhawks, while people were happy they won the deadline, so to speak, really I don't think I understand how a hockey team works or how professional sports works, that you can't just acquire so many new faces at the deadline and expect them all to fit in nice and neat and compact. And we had a lot, and the Blackhawks had a lot of turnover, obviously, in the offseason as well with Patrick Sharp, Oduya, Brandon Saad leaving as well. So I think a lack of chemistry really showed in the playoffs. It just seemed like they weren't on the same page at times, but hopefully as they look forward to next year, I think a long summer off will do them well. They'll have the world championships of hockey in the fall to kind of get into shape. And hopefully that can lead into a long and deeper playoff run next year. Yeah, I think obviously when the expectation is a Stanley Cup every year, it is a little bit disappointing when you bow out in the first round, especially to the St. Louis Blues. Um, I mean, I I definitely agree with Fish and echo his sentiment with when you're adding that kind of, you know, you're adding that. I mean, Brandon or excuse me, not Brandon Sod, losing Sod, no do you and sharp hurts. And it's hard to duplicate, you know, what they gave the team in past seasons. Um, But, you know, getting Andrew Ladd back was nice. Um it's just the slow starts killed them. I mean, it felt like every first period it, it, the team was running at half speed or guys just weren't reading the puck or people were in the wrong spot. And, you know, it, it, I think, you know, to me, I look at that game seven um, and and just the end, the turnover that kind of sealed the game um, where St. Louis scored that what finished to be, you know, the. The clinching goal, and obviously, of course, it has to be a former Blackhawk, uh, Bauer, that does it. But, you know, it, it will be nice to the team actually getting some rest. I think just six years of deep playoff runs eventually catches up to you, um, especially for the you know the elder statesman on the team, Keith, with how much he plays, and Marion Hosa, um, nearing 40 years old. I mean, I, I think the extra, you know, what you'd figure probably four weeks off is going to do them well. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can go into next season and uh, make another run for the cup. Well, I mean, obviously we've been a little spoiled three cups in probably six years, seven years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks to lose like that, especially to lose to the Blues. Um, eventually, I mean, it had to happen. Like, the Blues were going to eventually beat them. Uh, it's just looked like a different Blackhawks team this year. I mean, they were making dumb penalties at the end of games at critical times. And we, like, have very, very rarely seen that 
from this team over the last, what, 10 or so years. So to see them, you know, take dumb penalties at the end, it was just very uncharacteristic of them to do so. And, um, yeah, losing that game seven sucks, especially the Brower goal. But like you said, Joey, it, it, you know, they get a little extra rest, especially the players that play a lot. And, um, you know, they'll be back next year. They'll get another run next year. And I think they'll be one of the favorites going into next year. Well, only saving grace is that the Los Angeles Kings are out as well, so at least they won't. At least they won't win the cup on the alternate years. So, uh, first time since what two thousand nine, the Stanley Cup champion will not be the Blackhawks, Kings, or Bruins. It's Bruins. Oh no, yeah, Bruins. Yeah, it's right. Bruins. Yeah. Um, all right, that was our little hockey segment there. Now it's time to get into the real. The next phase of the offseason begins Thursday for the Bears. 2016 NFL Draft hosted in Chicago. First round kicks off on Thursday. Uh, what are you guys' initial thoughts? I mean, we've had weeks of talking about this. So it comes down to Thursday night. I mean, the first two teams obviously set themselves up to take two quarterbacks, which I, which I kind of believe aren't top 32 players as it is but of course quarterbacks get overvalued every year i mean you just look at the sharp decline in quarterbacks like andrew luck and robert griffin went first and second overall in 2012 both of those were top prospects at the time i felt like obviously griffin had a good rookie year and hopefully can rebound 2015 had Jameis winston and marcus Mariota, who you know i think are decent quarterbacks i think Jameis winston had a better year than he was given credit for obviously Mariota's kind of in a rebuilding situation in Tennessee but I look at Goff and Wentz and I I just don't see their talent their success matching either of the previous four that I mentioned so really hopefully the Bears will be in a good spot to get a player that kind of slips through the cracks because there's so many holes on the team they need to fill so yeah, what's nice is that they're giving themselves an opportunity with, you know, Goff and Wentz. You know, obviously, you're not going to give up that kind of talent and those number of picks if if you're not moving up to one of the top two spots to take a quarterback. So I think that's going to serve the Bears well and the fact that they'll be able to fit a, a real need. Um, you know, defensive players surely going to drop to them at 11. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk with, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into this here in a few minutes with, um, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, valuing him, you know, based on what he is as a prospect versus the value of being a running back. I mean, you know, I'll throw it out there right now. I think just based on talent and potential, he's one of the four or five best players in the draft. However, I also understand that with the shelf life of a running back, uh, being six, seven years, if, if you're lucky, um, knowing that throwing that high of a pick against him might not give you the, you know, the fruits of your labor that you want as far as a return is concerned. But, you know, I think that I'm sure Ryan Pace has done his due diligence and has set the bears up to, to pick. I still think it's ultimately going to be a best player available situation. Um, but again, as fish had said with, with the number of needs this team has, um, I think they're going to get a, a decent draft pick in the first round. Yeah, I think that trade last week between the Browns and um, Eagles really helped the Bears. Uh, with the Eagles moving up and likely going to take a quarterback that takes another quarterback off the board and just pushes the rest of the prospects up for the Bears, they're going to get a playmaker at 11 if they stay there. Um, 
There's going to be plenty of options. I see a player or two dropping maybe to them. Um, a couple of those options, maybe Buckner, uh, Hargraves, Elliott, one of those three could drop to them. And if they're there, I think the Bears really like all three. Um, I just think they're in a good position. Um, a lot of people might look at it and say, oh, hey, you know, they're at 11. You know, they're not, they're not in the top 10. But with those with the two trades prior to this draft, I mean, I think that really uh, helped the Bears' cause. Um, now, do you guys have like a list of your five, three to five players that you would like to see the Bears take at number 11? Obviously, we already talked about Elliott and I think the need was shown after the Bears refused to re-sign Matt Forte to a modest contract. I also think Stanley from Notre Dame would be a nice, reasonable option at 11 for tackle. Despite what the Bears are trying to sell, I'm not so sure Charles Leno will be the starting left tackle next year. So, obviously, Stanley will help fill a need there. And I think I would like to see Shaq Lawson as a Bear as well. I I just think wherever the Bears can get help, especially on the defensive side, even linebacker, just getting more depth and younger at the position will help out so much because in reality, one player isn't going to change the course of the Bears franchise, but if they can get a solid contributor, a solid starter at 11, the team's obviously better and the Bears can keep progressing and developing and moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I agree with Fish on Elliott and Shaq Lawson both. I think if it comes down to it, those are the two most logical choices. Um, you know, I, Lawson has a great motor, and I hate saying that because that just sounds so corny. But, you know, the guy does. He has a great motor. He gets after the quarterback. Um, good size. And, in fact, he's a diverse pass rusher. Um, you know, going up against elite competition, he could beat guys with the pat or uh, – you know, with speed rushes, he can beat guys with power. Um, he's strong enough to shed blocks, which obviously, if you want an elite pass rusher, you know you're going to get double teamed on occasion. Um, and he, he's a guy that you, in what few games I saw that Clemson played this year, uh, he just seemed like he never took a play off. And I think a lot of times with these pass rushers, like when you look at someone, um, and of course his name's escaping me now, uh, from South Carolina, Jadavian Clowney, um, that was his big thing was everyone claimed that the guy took plays off because he knew he knew he was going to be a top two pick. He knew that people were going to go after him. He was going to get that big money. And it's just nice seeing a guy like that, um, you know, give the effort 100 percent of the time. I think my only concern with Shaq Lawson really is that he's he doesn't necessarily ideally fit the edge rusher that you need in a three, four defense. And obviously the Bears made the switch last year. Um with the new coaching and the new regime. So I think that's kind of a concern there. Again, if we're strictly talking about fit, um, I also, again, in terms of fit, not a hundred percent there um, for a three, four, for an interior guy, but I love Sheldon Rankins out of uh, Louisville. Uh, really good size, hard to, hard to block, even though he's, you know, a bit undersized for what you'd want as a three, four nose tackle, six, one, about three Oh five. Um, really strong, very diverse again, just like Lawson with his ability. Um, very good against the run, and the Bears were 29, or excuse me, what, 31st in the league last year against the run. Um, so he'd be a guy that would definitely help them improve there. Uh, and I think it would be great having him and Goldman uh, moving forward, two young guys that you could build around on the interior of the defensive line. Um, I also think, you know, either Eli Apple 
or uh, Vernon Hargreaves kind of makes sense because, you know, I really think secondary is a huge need for the Bears. Um, I do like Kyle Fuller, um, but I'm not sure he's going to be a pro bowler. He's definitely improved, and you see flashes of a very competent cornerback, but I don't know if he's going to take that next step to be the guy you want to defend uh, the other team's best receiver. Obviously, I think we would all agree that (laughs) Tracy Porter is average at best, and uh, with no real nickel guy on the roster, um, you know, improving the cornerback position is going to only help your defensive line uh, and your pass rush. So, you know, either one of those guys I think would be served well. Uh, I think I'd give the nod to Hargreaves just because, again, if we're going strictly off of fit, I think he fits a little bit better with with what the Bears are trying to accomplish defensively. So, again, there's options there, uh, whether they decide to go offense or defense. Yeah, uh, back to the high motor thing. I feel like that's described for every white player that's ever been drafted in the NFL. He has a high motor. Like every analyst yeah, Shane McClellan, that's a perfect example. High motor player. Um, yeah, I'm, my big board, the five guys that I'm looking at are Elliott, Hargraves, um, Buckner, Lawson, and um, Stanley from Notre Dame. There's two offensive players in there. I think those are the only two offensive players the Bears are looking at with those two picks, unless uh, Tunsil falls. Um, they're not going to take Treadwell because it will make Fish's head explode if they did. Um I think on the defensive side, if Hargraves falls or Buckner falls, they're going to jump all over it. If those two are gone, Elliott's gone, I think they go Shaq Lawson. I really would not be mad with any of those five picks. Um, I don't think any of them really a reach. I think all of them will help the team. I don't think they'll put the team over the top. But I think each one of them will contribute in its own way and benefit this team uh, next season at least. And... Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott. So I said it months ago, keep your eye on Elliott when we approach the draft because he could be a fit for the Bears. Got called out on it. Whatever, don't care. Got As, called a fraud, didn't you? Yes, um, I have. But now more analysts are kind of putting it together. And um, you know, a couple of mocks even have Elliott to the Bears uh, that have been released lately. Now, Rappaport released a tweet today, or tweeted out something that said, trade spot to watch. Browns at number eight. They've been having discussions with other teams behind them who would want to come up for Ezekiel Elliott. First thing in my mind, ding, 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 Chicago Bears is one of those teams. And I look at that and I think Bears want to trade up to eight and grab Elliott, swap first rounders. I would not give up higher than a fourth rounder because the Bears have to if they were to do that. I also think that could be um, Elliott and Buckner if they're both there. Pick seven comes around and both are there, and the Bears want to trade up and grab one, they can make that trade. What do you guys think? Like yeah, I, there, I, no, go ahead, Fish. Like I said, like I kind of said before the show, I mean, I just don't feel like trading up's the best option for this team, especially for a running back, especially to go into the top ten. I know it may only be a modest price to leap three spots, but I just wouldn't be in favor of trading away depth picks that Ryan Pace has hit fairly well on last year. And when the Bears really just need more bodies, more quality depth, I'm just not a fan of that in general. So, and Plus, too, we'll see if the Dolphins move back up into eighth because I think that was their spot originally. 
and then they traded. I think they swapped with with the Eagles for Brian Byron Maxwell. So it'll be interesting to see the Dolphins with Adam Gase move up and take Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard. Again, I agree that that's really not a bad price to jump up three spots. Um, I would definitely be, uh, I guess, more in favor of the Bears trading up if they were wanting to get uh, Buckner as opposed to a a running back. And again, I think that's strictly, you know, my feeling is this. Based on talent and potential, I think Ezekiel Elliott is one of the four or five best players in the draft. But I also understand that with the value of a running back and the fact that people think it's a turnstile position and you can just plug guys in and they're effective, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense in the modern NFL. Um, I do think, again, the Bears are going to really be in a, in a favorable position because you figure quarterbacks are going one and two. I really don't see Bosa and or Jalen Ramsey falling past number five I just they're too talented and the upside is just so great for both of them um that it just doesn't make sense and I think too with the the concerns around uh Miles Jack's uh, knee uh out of UCLA that could be a guy that a team he might slide a little bit um knowing that you know teams like uh San Francisco like Baltimore, like the Giants, are going to be looking uh, to improve their offensive lines. So that could lend a couple guys to slide a little bit. Um, I think the real wild card that's going to dictate even more so than the two quarterbacks going is what are the Chargers going to do at number three? Um, Because, I mean, their defense was just so putrid last year, and they need help all over the place. I mean, Buckner makes a lot of sense, but again, for them, it depends on what they're they're aiming at. I mean, they're going to have the opportunity to go with, I mean, Tunsil, Ramsey, or Buckner. I mean, if we're all kind of in agreement that it, it would make no sense for both the Eagles and Rams straight up and not draft quarterbacks. So, Well, there's two really big wild cards in the first ten picks. Like you said, the Chargers, because they could really dictate how the draft's going to go after those two quarterbacks go. And then Jerry Jones, because no one knows what Jerry Jones is going to do. He could draft Elliott. He could draft Hargraves. Could draft Ram Ramsey. He could draft Tunsil. Um, he could trade the pick. Uh, I think those two are really going to dictate the rest of the draft. So once we get past four, I think things get really interesting then because there's going to be teams that aren't expecting players to fall there, and are, they're going to be there. You guys see that same pattern, or? Yeah, I, w- I would probably agree with that, and you know it would cause a situation where a general manager might want to panic and trade up to get a guy that, you know, they could realistically wait for that maybe could fall at 11. So hopefully, you know, the Bears have a few options in place. I think that, I think as we mentioned, you know, you know, the two top two players aren't top 11 players in my eyes. They aren't top 32 players. But when you have those players go above their value or what they're worth, allows better players to trickle down so that the Bears can pick somebody at 11 that's a solid player. Like I said, I think Stanley's a solid player. Who knows if Turnsill will fall? Who knows if Hargreaves will fall? You know, they're just so, to me, there's just so much, you know, talent that doesn't really separate itself from the rest of the pack 
So I think the Bears are just in a really good spot as it is. Well, I mean, can we all agree on the, that the Bears pretty much have to hit on this pick? Yeah, it's it would be to me. There's there's a need to add another real star to this team, and not so much as just the selling point. But I mean, this is a team that really needs some some stout leadership. I mean, we all know that Kyle Long is kind of the voice of this team and the backbone of the team. Uh, but when your best player is a guard slash tackle, I think that says a lot about what's around him. And again, that's that's no slight to to guys that have shown improvement, but I think that when you're trying to change the mindset and the culture of a franchise, you have to hit on a guy that is going to come in and just be a superstar. You have yep. to do it. And, and it's it's one of those things that a lot of teams, like with, with how ignorant Jerry Jones has been, I mean, you, you have to hit. You have to hit on this. And it doesn't matter even if it's a, if, if it's a running back, that's fine. If it's an offensive tackle, I mean, it's it, there's the Bears have options. It's not like they kind of have to lock themselves into, man, we just really need a whatever. We really need – because, you know, I, I think – personally, I think pass rush is the biggest need, especially after upgrading the interior linebacker position uh, in the offseason with Trevathan. And, um, of course, I forgot his name again. Drill uh, Freeman. Yeah, uh, Freeman from the Colts. Um when you upgrade that position, it, it kind of moves your focus. And I think that's what's nice with what the Bears did. They had enough pieces, while maybe not huge um, Pro Bowl upgrades, but you're upgrading spots, adding Bobby Massey and, and, and the like. So the Bears gave themselves the chance to really go after the best player available, and and it will also upgrade the roster in terms of fitting a need. And I think that's very rarely teams can do that twofold. Um, so... I think if it comes down to it, I think the Bears are going to draft Shaq Lawson. And I say that because I don't think Ezekiel Elliott will be available. I think if Elliott falls there and they have the pick between the two, I think they're going to go with Elliott strictly because he he is hands down the best running back in the draft. And I honestly don't think it's close. I think just as a complete package with size and instinct, ability to catch the ball, ability to block, the fact that he produced extremely well against very, very good talent and very good teams uh, being in the Big Ten. Um, I just think that speaks volumes on what the kind of pl- – I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, it's just that you know if the Bears do it, they're still going to have all the stupid talking heads complaining that, oh, they reached for a running back in the first round. It's like, well, you know, I guess the Vikings did that with Adrian Peterson, and I don't think they're going to be too disappointed with what he's given them. And I think with all indications with what Todd Gurley did last year – I'm fairly certain the Rams are okay with that, too. Well, actually, you can't draft uh, Ezekiel Elliott that early because Todd Gurley went, uh, what, 13th last year? So it it doesn't make sense. I'm I'm just kidding. Um, So from 2009-2012, the Bears drafted 26 players. There's one player from that group that remains on the current roster. Anyone want to guess who that is? They they drafted what? They drafted 26 players from the years 2009 to 2012, and only one of those players is still on this current roster. Man, that's, uh, that's a good one. I'd say, I mean, Kyle, no, Kyle Long was drafted in 13. Yep, not Kyle um, Long. Let me see. Dang. That's a tough one. 
once I say the name, you'll be like, oh, okay, I know who it is. Alshon Jeffrey? Yep. Yeah. One play, One player. Granted, they didn't have a first-round pick in 2009 or 2010. Man, what, that's just wow! One player from the we that, traded our pick, our second round pick in twenty ten for dead guys. So that too, yeah. I mean, look that, at, that went that was that went and that was that was ultimately used to pick Rob Gronkowski, but we didn't need that guy. No, okay. So looking back, two thousand six, the Bears did not have a first round pick. Um, two thousand seven, they drafted Greg Olson thirty first overall. He was eventually traded, and that pick pretty much got us Brandon Marshall for three years. Um, 2008, Chris Williams lasted a couple seasons, 14th overall. 2009, 2010, did not have a pick. And then I was watching last Saturday, 2011 NFL draft on the, uh, they had like an hour long edition of it. Gabe Karimi, 29th overall. God awful. And you know who went right after Gabe Karimi at 30th? To Muhammad the, Wilkerson? Yes. Yeah. Um, didn't need that guy, did we? No. Nope. 2012, Shane McClellan, 19th overall. Oh. Didn't need Chandler Jones. <laughs> nope. Didn't need Dante Hightower. Didn't need Chandler Jones. Um, I mean, then it, it gets better. Kyle Long was obviously a big hit, even though at the time a lot of us, including myself, were skeptical of the pick. Um, and me. Yes. Not me. Um, Kyle Fuller in 2014. Still got to wait and see. And then we'll finally get Kevin White's rookie season, 2015. So looking Ooh. back... Looking back, really, the Bears, since 2006, have had two hits in the first round, if you count Greg Olson. Um, so you got Olson and Long. I mean, this draft is huge for Ryan Pace. Uh, I, I look at it this way. If the Bears can get a solid playmaker at 11, and they essentially get Kevin White back this year, it's like two first-round picks in one season. Well, I mean, you got to think of it, too. If you add Ezekiel Elliott and Kevin White, that's that's pretty nice. And then, you know, to me, if that's if that's your key there and you really want to go offense, because as you said, it's kind of like you're getting an extra first-round pick since you didn't get anything from Kevin White last year. If I'm the Bears at that point, I'm finding a way to get one more upgrade on that offensive line. You know, I think Bobby Massey is probably – an upgrade over Leno, but at the same time, I know Fish is still on the boat with um, Kyle Long being the left tackle, but if you're going to be an excellent guard or maybe an above-average tackle, why would you take the, why would you downgrade your team? I just don't understand it. I, I just, I still just think Kyle Long, if he's an all-pro guard and maybe a Pro Bowl tackle, why, why would you, why would you put yourself in a worse spot? And you know, that's the thing, too, with the Bears. They, I don't think any of us really expect them, even though I did throw out, hey, I think the Bears are going to go 6-0 and to start the season, which, you know, very well could happen. Um, I think if this draft shakes out and they can flesh out some depth on the roster, you know, they, they've got a chance to, I think, be a 9-7 and team. Um, but, you know, that remains to be seen. Obviously, I think the big thing is this. We expect the Bears to take a step forward, Um and doing that again, we we just I think we're all in agreement that the Bears just absolutely have to hit a solid, you know, a solid solid first round pick here, and, and I think it really needs to happen at whatever cost. It really does. Yeah, I would just agree with everything Joey said. That really just finding that player that can contribute and stay healthy and stay on the roster 
because again, trading Greg Olson really was an indictment on Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith's regime because it really made no sense why why a move was made when ultimately Jerry Angelo was fired, Mike Martz was fired, and then we waited another year and then ultimately fired Lovey Smith. You just had so many different agendas going back 2011 that really set this team back to where we are today. You know, we haven't had a playoff appearance since 2010. And so really just having a coach and general manager on the same timeline, having the same philosophy, having the same belief system, the way it operate, the way the team should operate, really should just help out so much going forward. Yeah, I mean, can't stress enough, this is a really big draft. Um, it's also a really big draft in another sense that they're going to have to draft a quarterback. They're going to have to try and find Jay Cutler's replacement. Obviously, Cutler will be the quarterback starting the season. Um, but you look at the backups, man. Matt Blanchard and David Fales really don't feel comfortable with them back there. Dude, Matt, Blanchard, Matt Blanchard is seriously going to start next year for Jay Cutler. I just know it, so... Matt Blanchard, Hall of Fame, no. mark it down. No. Fish, you, yes. you, are you, have you been drinking again, Fish? Nah. Uh, don't worry. Fish is too busy battling the politics side of things on Twitter, so his head might not be in the I've, game. I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Bears are going to have to find their replacement for Cutler. This year is likely going to be the year. Um, I don't see him doing it in the first or second round. I could see third round. Um, I think Cook, Hackenberg, Lynch will be gone by the third round. Um, I actually did a little piece on this for Bear Report about um, mid-round quarter, late-round quarterbacks the Bears could take. There's a couple that really caught my attention. Um, do you guys have any late-round quarterbacks you think would be a good fit for the Bears, a good project for them to work on? I don't, really? think Jake, I don't think Jake Rudock could be a possibility, but it'd, it'd be fun to see a former Michigan guy, former Big Ten guy get in there. Obviously, I, I guess I'm just biased. I think Connor Cook could be a decent prospect to work with. Again, I just really think unless you're at the top of the draft, you know, and you see that quarterback that you really want, I just don't see the need to just take somebody – and just let them go because I mean you look even what Denver did with Osweiler, you know they took him in the third round they let him go for nothing. So I mean I I'd know. be I'd be willing to trade up into the second round um, for a quarterback. I know that maybe not be a popular opinion, but that is something we do have to think about knowing that Cutler's contract situation changes after this season. Um, and to me, I know a lot of people love Carson Wentz and, you know, also Jake, Jared Goff. And, and I guess I understand the allure to a certain extent. But to me, I don't see how much of a gap is between those two and then, say, Paxton Lynch, Connor Cook, Christian Hackenberg. I mean, I would love to see Hackenberg in a Bears uniform. I really do like him and everyone that wants to shout with, you know, his numbers dipping once he went from a pro-style offense to a spread offense. I think that just really speaks volumes to the type of quarterback he can be. Um, a guy that, you know, did excel in a pro-style offense under Bill O'Brien before, you know, he left for the NFL. Um, 
I think, you know, I don't see the Bears trading up. I mean, I guess I, would, I wouldn't I would be against it if they did. I think realistically, though, uh, as far as maybe like a third, fourth, fifth round guy, I wouldn't mind Dak Prescott. Um, I, I he's at, He's athletic, to say the least. You know, he's got a very good football IQ. Uh, people like him as a leader. Um, you know, obviously the, the DUI arrest is kind of kind of a question mark, especially with the fact that the Bears have maybe picked up a couple people, uh, Mr. McDonald being one, uh, that have questionable uh, character. So they may shy away from that in that regard. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind a guy like him. And I think it doesn't need to be a guy. I, I think... I think if they draft a quarterback earlier, it needs to be a guy that makes a lot more sense in that pro that pro system and a guy that you don't think needs tons and tons of seasoning. You know, maybe like Cardale Jones, Dak Prescott, I think fits that, where a guy that probably needs a little bit more to develop. Um, but I mean, you know, from that from that perspective, man, Cardale Jones has an absolute cannon. Like an absolute oh. cannon. And, and I really think it speaks volumes about his disposition to be able you know what he did in that national championship game coming in cold and you know my, that, that was a big thing my i agree 100 percent. jones has a cannon my big thing on jones is after the national championship game he was pretty much handed a starting role for the next season and didn't do anything with it and he eventually lost it so a couple leader you know leadership issues kind of really alert me on him I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him, maybe sixth, seventh round. Um, oh, I don't know, dude. I mean, some teams are apparently saying, like, you know, from a grading standpoint, you know, Cardale Jones, and, and it makes sense. Cardale Jones, from a, from strictly from a from a intangible scan, standpoint, I, I think is maybe the question mark. But physically, the tools, you know, got Cam Newton's body and 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 a super elite arm. I mean, from that alone, he's a first round talent. Um, I don't think he's going to be a first rounder. I definitely think he's a third or fourth. I, I just don't see him falling to the last day in the draft. I don't. Oh, not a chance he's a first rounder. I think at best he's a third rounder. I think he'll be gone by the sixth round. Um, kid I like, uh, Hogan at Stanford. He's got a nice arm, good accuracy, but the thing that worries me about him is his footwork. And obviously in the NFL, you have to have the footwork to succeed. Um, a couple other guys out there. A lot of people are high on um, Brandon Allen of, of Arkansas, uh, playing in the SEC. High completion percentage in 2015. Problem with him is the arm strength isn't there. Um, I think of him as more of like a game manager, like a Kyle Orton type player. Uh, Cody Kessler, Jeff Driscoll. Um, I read something the other day a lot. Like A couple teams are really high on Vernon Adams Jr. as possibly a sleeper quarterback in this draft. I don't see it. Um, I think the Bears take a quarterback. I think five, six, and seven of the rounds, they're going to do it unless they spend, you know, that fourth-round pick, one of those fourth-round picks on a quarterback. Um, I just think the, the two guys I'd really prefer would be Cook and Hackenberg, but I think they're both going to be gone. I think Cook or Hackenberg could go late first round, and the other can go early second round. What about Paxton Lynch, though? He'll be gone, too. Yeah, I think – I think realistically, I mean, Connor Cook's kind of the wild card where I've seen several mock drafts that have him late in the first round. I mean, I've seen some that have him in the third. Um, same with Christian Hackenberg. I mean, that's what's so crazy about what doesn't make sense to me with, with trading up for these quarterbacks. 
you know, Philadelphia and the Rams. It's like, I just don't see how big of a gap or that the gap is that big between Goff and Carson Wentz that you couldn't have stayed where you were at and traded back and maybe gotten Paxton Lynch and picked up assets or Connor Cook. Like, I just, I don't see that those two are that big of can't miss prospects that, that they, you know, that they warrant potentially mortgaging your future on. And I mean, I understand that, Hey, if you think you can draft that, that elite quarterback prospect, that's your 12, 15 year guy, you do it. But I just don't see there's, I don't see the can't miss nature of Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. I mean, again, I might be wrong. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of either of them play. Obviously Carson Wentz playing for, you know, high school university out in the middle of nowhere, but you know, we'll see. I think it'll be interesting to just to see the fact that two guys, again, Wentz really playing out in the middle of nowhere, getting getting all that kind of love. So with, you know, kind of the mid-round, late-round discussion, um, would you guys take a flyer on uh, Robert Nikamdichi if he's there in the second round? Yeah, second, second round, I'm not so sure. I mean, I think the Bears obviously have – you're still looking for quality starters, and I'm not sure, you know, I think cornerback, offensive line, pass rushers, defensive linemen, those four, those are four positions I'd just really like to see addressed in the draft. So wherever those get addressed, it really doesn't matter, but I really don't want to be taking risks until later in the third round or later on in the draft. You know, I, you, the Bears should want three solid starters from the first three picks, similar to what they I believe they got two out of three last year from the second and third round picks. But we didn't obviously get the first round pick to play yet. So, Joey, you said yes. Why is that? Again, if you're strictly talking about talent, uh, Kandichi's arguably the – I mean, I would put him up there with Joey Bosa. And DeForest Buckner, in terms of just pure talent, um, I mean, I watched that Ole Miss-Alabama game where MDK just absolutely annihilated the opposition. Uh, six tackles, a sack. Um, you know, I think he had three tackles for a loss. Um, you know, that's that's the thing, too, is obviously the risk and reward is there. I mean, knowing that this guy has the potential to be a truly awesome uh, pass rusher, uh, even though the sack numbers really weren't there. Um, I, I mean, I personally just, again, based on talent, he's not going to fall out of the second round. I just don't see it. He's too good of a player. Um, the red flags, obviously, from what I had read um, in an article this morning, uh, several teams who interviewed uh, Kim Diche said that the interview was very, very lackluster, showed a lot of immaturity, didn't answer questions the right way, especially what you'd expect from a guy you want to draft to be a leader. Um, but uh, looking at, you know, his pro day workout tape that's on YouTube and, and his workouts, uh, with individually, you know, with each team, um, I mean, you, you, you can't say enough about what the guy's done. And I think that's the thing. If the bears think they have the ability to bring this guy in and make him buy into the system and, and keep him on a really short leash, I mean, you're not going to duplicate that kind of talent in the second round. So if he's there, oh my God, yeah, you draft him. You have to. And if you whiff on that pick, you know, at that point, if, if you're still a little scared, maybe package those fourth rounders to try to move up in the third and maybe get a second, third round pick just to maybe offset the potential risk there. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, if he's there in the second round, I think it's worth the risk. Um, when I come out of high school, the guy was number one recruit in the nation, showed signs of being a dominant player at Ole Miss. It's just the character issues and the whole him smoking weed and um, Atlanta and falling jumping out of a hotel window or whatever he did. Yeah, I I also really didn't like that he kind of called out his teammates in that one too. Um, I think you just kind of just you know just be quiet about that. Answer the questions that the that the teams are asking you. Just don't add any more into it. Um, all right, last bit of business right here. Uh, give me your guys' first round pick for the Bears. Um, Joey, you go first. Who do the Bears select number eleventh overall? And a quick why. Um, I think it's going to be Shaq Lawson out of Clemson. Uh, I think just based on. Based on all-around ability and talent, he just makes a lot of sense for the Bears. Um, you know, he fits the need of the edge rusher, which I personally feel like is the the biggest need on this team. Um, I think he's a guy not only just based on talent. Um, I th- I think he's someone who could start from day one and has the ability to turn into a Pro Bowl player for you know ten years. Uh, my only real concern with it is just fit, knowing that he's not a natural uh, three-four fit uh, as an edge rusher. But I, I think ultimately. Uh, Fangio and company can make it work. And Fish, who are the Bears taking at number 11 overall? I'll say Vernon Hargreaves, the cornerback from Florida. I just think they look at what they did last year. You know, they signed Eddie Royal in free agency, and they ultimately drafted Kevin White in the first round. I look at Tracy Porter as a similar addition. You know, obviously not a guy that moves the needle by any stretch, but certainly, you know, I just feel cornerbacks are such a need. And with the pursuit of Josh Norman that the Bears were allegedly in, I feel cornerback makes the most sense if they stick at 11. If they trade up or down, I, obviously it changes things. But if they stay at 11, I think it'll be Hargreaves from Florida. I'm going to agree with Fish. I'm high on Ezekiel Elliott and DeForest Buckner. I do not think either of them will be there. I don't think the Bears make that trade to jump up. And I think they're going to select... Vernon Hargreaves at number 11 because he will be the player that falls to him. He'll give him the cornerback of the future and um, solidify the defense a little bit more. All right, well, uh, that wraps up our draft show. Um, the draft is under 24 hours from when we recorded this, so hopefully um, we nailed it all. And I uh, want to thank you for listening again. Follow Shy City Sports on Twitter at, at ShyCitySports23. Like us on um Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes. I'll drop a link. You can find our stuff on SoundCloud. Follow us all on Twitter. Um, thank you, guys. And we, pro- and we promise we won't read mean tweets on here. No, we will not. Um, Absolutely not. Thank you, uh, guys, for joining me on this one. Absolutely. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy. Thanks, That's listeners. Right. Have a good time. <laughs>